This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning. You're listening to Pressing Matters, the show where we go beyond the headlines and explore issues driving the press. I'm Philip C. Today's show, I speak to Chris Chung, a journalist based in the UK who used to work for Hong Kong Freedom Press and now works for Voice of America, as we have a conversation with him about the freedom of press in Hong Kong. A very good morning to you, Chris, and very much welcome to the show. Thank you for spending your time with us. Could you give a bit of a background of yourself and how you became a journalist and what made you leave Hong Kong? So why am why I a journalist? It's a bit of a coincidence, let's say. Initially, I started in the, the Chinese media. It's um, a job at, at a magazine uh, in, in Hong Kong. So it was only more or less, I, I studied sociology. And so it was just to more or less find some work after graduation. I, I quite liked it. And then I did something else for a while, which, was, which wasn't related. But then it st- started to get more and more related to the Hong Kong situation. When, you know, in 2014, there was the, uh, you would know it as the umbrella movement. During that time, um, I know some teachers in journalism at universities, and they have some friends or I think maybe past colleagues that they know uh, from from international media, and they were coming. They were coming to Hong Kong, and they were looking for. Uh, they 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 call it a fixer, but sometimes people call it now as a local assistance, that kind of thing, to to help them with the uh, reporting in in Hong Kong during the so called later on umbrella movement. Mm. So I happened then to work for uh, some international media, including uh, you know like Washington Post is the most prominent one. Um, so that started helping me to get into the English media. The uh, and I have some interest to do to do English media because I found out okay, well yeah maybe I can do more in in English and then help the the outside world to get to understand Hong Kong what's actually happening. And then since then, 2014 towards 2019 and all that, sometimes it was quiet, sometimes it was not. And then I joined this place called uh, Hong Kong Free Press. So uh, I was at Hong Kong Free Press uh, in, in 2019 when another big movement happened, uh, another mm. big protest. Um, so that was quite a year with a lot of things that, that happened. And then I did that until 2020 when I turned freelance. I take on the freelance projects, like other other media. And to answer your question why I'm in the UK, of course, it's the uh, situation, in political situation in Hong Kong, which was not so good. It was partially about the press freedom situation yeah. when um, around the time when I when I left, uh, Apple Daily was shut by the government. So that was the uh, largest, let's say, liberal newspaper in Hong Kong. And and also that was, um, you can say, like everybody has some, uh, always have some sort of family reasons. Yeah. So when you move to a place, a journalist moves to another place, it's not just about me, it's, it's also how you consider life is for, for your family. family. Yeah. So the defining moment for you to leave Hong Kong? Partially. I can go into more details, but um, there, there were, after the 2019 protests, as you turn into 2020, then there was the national security law in Hong Kong. Yeah. And a few things happened after the national security law. Um, several months later, after, after the law was enacted, there was a talk show host for an online radio. So it was not on the broadcast waves, but online. To me, he was 
not I wouldn't say I wouldn't say moderate, but not extreme. So his views were definitely pro-democracy, outspoken, but not extreme. So this talk show host, um, nicknamed as Giggs, he was arrested for sedition. So he was arrested basically for his speech and other issues. That was one sign. So so you have after national security law, other than like Apple Daily, the high profile cases, there was this talk show host arrested for effectively things he said mm. against the government. The second thing is in the early months of uh, 2021, the government never officially confirmed or denied it. A website in Hong Kong, I think set up by uh, some activists or protesters were blocked in Hong Kong. So you can't access it in Hong Kong online, but say you were in uh, the UK, then you can access it. Uh, partially because I think they they have some personal information of police officers online. But to me, that's also another uh, serious issue because in Hong Kong, in the past, there were no internet censorship, yeah. pretty much any sort. That you can you can argue. I think it's it's okay to argue that if you put information of someone online, then it's doxing, then it could be illegal or or just not very good. But then at least that was the first moment when officially, effectively, we know there was a website that was blocked in Hong Kong. Yeah. 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 Even though they, they did not confirm or deny it. Mm. So fast yeah. forward to where you are today. You currently cover Hong Kong from the UK, is that correct? Um, so my yes, but my work has shifted uh, a little bit. So my my work is now more on the UK China relations, as you can understand, because of the physical limitations. Uh, like, of course, I there are a lot of things to in Hong Kong to cover, but there's the yeah. time difference. There's the physical uh, limitation. You can't go to the courts because they, these are the main stories. There are a lot of things you can't see for yourself. Uh, so I, I do uh, cover the UK-China relations for, uh, let's say, for the main part of the, the job. That's what my editors at my current job wants right now. But I also slip in a little bit about Hong Kong if I can. So I would say there are some cases that really, you people may want a journalist uh, who are, who is living outside of Hong Kong to cover something in Hong Kong because of the sensitivity, because of they they may even feel safer to talk to a journalist outside to to lower the risk and and also there are also a lot of stories about uh, a Hong Kong people who have moved overseas right because let's say in the UK more or less two hundred thousand people have moved here yeah that are happening. And it's a very big distinction between how you cover Hong Kong in Hong Kong versus out of Hong Kong because your perspective is different. And I presume you still have many friends still in Hong Kong, you know, covering mm -hmm. Hong Kong still uh, and the political developments there. It feels very different, isn't it, when you when you cover it in Hong Kong versus you covering it outside of Hong Kong, on Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, so I can give you an example. So during COVID, uh, Hong Kong was... At the later stages, not doing very well because other places were already opening up, uh, lots of tourists going back in, uh, things were sort of going back to normal. But uh, so because Hong Kong was locked from other places for so long, so the, the wave of Omicron and all that 
came later in Hong Kong. And there was this wave of um, hospitalization, masks, a lot of people getting positive for COVID. The nightlife of Hong Kong disappeared, basically. I, I want to see that. I want to go do that story. I want to see it for myself. I mean, I, I, I have all the photos. I have people walking on the streets uh, on Facebook Live, on YouTube. So uh, these are all the places that I have been to. Right? I know all these places from, from my heart, but it's still not the same thing. Right? I, I know what's happening, but I do want to see it for myself, which I can't right now. And then same for the, the courts. Like there are all these important cases. I, I also covered courts in Hong Kong in the past. So I, I would know even without a photo from the courts, because you can't take a photo, I would know this place is the judge. This is, say, the, the lawyers. This is the defendant jurors. I, I can imagine it from my head. You can visualize it, yeah. Yeah, but I want to see it, but I can't. So that's that's yeah. a that's a very cool thing. I, I actually can read from the reports from other journalist friends who tell me a lot of things i can visualize it i can think about it but it, yes because you're not there it's not it's not the same thing and sometimes you i feel a bit yeah sometimes some sometimes really guilty like why am i not there but at the same time i, I know that i i have to think about the, the risk i have to think about uh, family as well so um yeah. everybody has to make some some choices and some some of my friends they're brave enough to stay in continue to stay in hong kong that's good and they but they face some risk now i'm in a safer place now i can like report on something quite safely uh and i can help doing some some of the more i don't know sensitive side of the story yeah. like i can, i can ask interview people who got out of prison, uh, what happened inside? Got out of uh, Hong Kong. Like, did they face any risk? National security agents and all that. So I can, I can do, I can do all this from a safer distance. So I uh, gradually, I think uh, we all find our roles, right? People in Hong Kong do the thing. People who left Hong Kong do other things that they can't do. We're heading into some messages, and we come back. We continue our discussion with Chris Cheng, a journalist based in the UK on Hong Kong's press freedom. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Thanks for staying tuned to Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. Today on the show is Chris Cheng, a journalist based in the UK, as we have a conversation with him about Hong Kong's press freedom. Now, Chris, you earlier referenced on the bravery of your fellow journalists, you know, currently based in Hong Kong. But I wonder out loud whether your friends based in Hong Kong are already imposing their self-censorship, their inbuilt self-censorship among themselves due to the system and environment they operate in. Definitely. I, I can't tell you the, the details because that may point to them, but yes, definitely. Um, because it, it's very simple. I, um, now we are getting uh, what other places uh, used to get or still getting for, for journalists. So they do have to calculate because there are cases of media being shut down, the, the editors, bosses being sent to trial, to prison. So what the government essentially showed people was that in order to shut down uh, any media with, with influence that, that people read, uh, that has some, uh, that whatever you write, uh, people will, uh, will understand it, will, will share it, uh, you may have to face a risk of being arrested, charged, and go through a nonsense trial. Mm. So, of course, you have to be very careful and, and calculate each day uh, what is okay and what is not okay. 
But the thing about the national security law or the sedition law or whatever law that is, is they will not tell you what is okay and what is not okay. Uh, there, there have been several chief executives, the leaders of Hong Kong telling, telling people, you know what is uh, fine. You know where the wet, red line is. That's the quote. But yeah. what what exactly is the line? Yeah, liberal media in Hong Kong still criticize the Hong Kong government. Say uh, recently there has been a heavy rainstorm in Hong Kong. A lot of places were flooded. Can you criticize the government for not doing it so well? Right. It's not exactly a political issue but it, it is also a political issue right it, when it involves the government it's always politics uh, but how much can you criticize the government then uh, people journalists in hong kong have to think about it what what does it mean to be seditious uh, in say one of the main newspapers in hong kong called main pao so it's a broad sheet newspaper uh, sort of uh, a newspaper in the middle ground so they welcome all kinds of views uh, even though it is actually owned by a malaysian chinese owner in some ways that the editorial side the editorial uh, statement of the newspaper it's a little bit more pro Beijing, but it has a lot of liberal reporters. That's the contradiction. But it welcomes all views. But since um a few months, a year, I think a, a year or so after the national security law, the sedition cases. So in the comment section, in the uh, commentary section, uh, below every single article, online or or paper, there will be a declaration saying that we have no intention to cause hatred of the government. Based something like that, basically. Wow. So I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Newspaper um, <laughs> in the middle ground, and and other media follow suit as well because they felt like okay, that that may be the thing to do, to have a statement for any of any uh, commentary that they have because it's it's from uh outside contributor that okay we're not here to criticize the government to cause hatred okay we are criticizing saying with reason <laughs> may i ask are there any independent news outlets in hong kong now yes the problem is that in in the past there was so apple daily or stan news uh these are the main ones mm. but these two and were dismantled by the government and then there were also several small ones so in the past let's say if you want something that is factual and and uh, from the more liberal point of view uh, you go to apple daily you have then you probably will have all the news that you need now staff from these dismantled outlets or news outlets that were uh, voluntarily closed after the pressure they have to form their own small news outlets if they don't want to leave Hong Kong. So from working with a team of hundreds or dozens of people, they now have a newly formed small media of two, five, ten people. So uh, for that causes financial trouble because a bigger company can get donations or subscriptions or funding easier, right? Yeah. Whereas now it's a lot of smaller uh, news outlets. I wouldn't say fighting each other, but uh, trying to get subscriptions from the same pool of people or, or even yeah. a small pool of people because a lot of people have left Hong Kong. It's up and, skill, uh, right? That's the problem. You're fighting for the small audience, isn't it? Because you don't have enough skill yeah. to build it up. 
and and they have they're now of a smaller scale as well. Yeah. But the cost is just it's higher because they don't have big company to support themselves. So it's a smaller team, a higher cost for each one because there's no economy to scale. Um, smaller pool of uh, audience for um financial resources. Also, they have uh they have to be even more careful because they will not have any uh there will not be enough uh legal help for them uh if the government wants to do this as it has been shown if the government want to shut them down they can shut them down yeah. right regardless of how many lawyers you have um so it's a risky business it is right and i think for sure you know life's at stake because Correct me if I'm wrong, 28 media workers and press freedom journalists have been prosecuted by the Hong Kong government, 13 remain in detention. Do you get a sense that there is a free trial possible? Is there a possibility of a free trial? Very hard to tell. I would incline to say no, because as I told you, the the case, uh, so, so the case for Apple Daily is still not on trial. So it has been shut down in 2021, in June, right? The trial is now set for December this year. So two and a half years in remand waiting for the trial for a case. That's one thing. And then for the Stan News case, another news media that got uh, shut down by the government. So that did went, went on trial. I think initially, I don't have the exact number. Initially, it was a trial plan for 20 days or 30 days. It went on for months because... They have a list of around 17 articles that the government think were problematic. And the prosecutor went through like each word, each sentence, trying to prove they were have this intention of causing hatred against the government. And and that trial showed people that it just doesn't make sense. In in the past, like uh in Hong Kong, there would not be a trial like this, where to trial a journalist and an editor word by word. And and even it's not an article print, it's not the, the articles were not written by the editors, it's written by other people. It just doesn't make sense. And also because uh when I mentioned sedition, uh it's a law left over by the British. That's one thing. But this law has not been used against it has not been used against journalists, has not been used at all for the past 50, 60 years. Last time it was uh, during another terminus uh, uh, period in Hong Kong in the 1960s. It, it's completely up to the government how to use that law because there were no not enough precedent in, in seeing how the law would use and the only case we have now it's how they treat this dead news case which was quite ridiculous and mm. uh, dread on for so long the and and we can all tell the prosecutor sometimes when you do a soul trial uh, even in china they 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 have a more so-called sounding legal points mm. in this, this case it was just not even about any law it's it's just a speech crime really which really begs the question whether you see the next generation of Hong Kongers interested in the career of journalism, whether they are interested to still, uh, you know, pursue justice uh, through the press, whether we find this next, this next generation of Hong Kongers who want to be journalists, actually. So I, I don't exactly know like, the admission numbers for journalism in universities. All I can tell is that, of course, some of my journalist friends have decided to not continue 
because of of the situation. Um, so I think that will it will get more and more difficult for for uh, especially younger people to join journalism. But that that's for sure. It will it will be more and more difficult. Uh, there will be probably at least a little bit fewer people wanting to join. But but somehow I think journalists in general, especially journalists in Hong Kong, have the have a special thing as in it's driven by the sense of responsibility, the sense the the passion, basically. Uh, the situation has been so poor for the past few years. Um, some of my friends were were clearly burned out. Um, but there's a the fun this funniest phenomenon. Oftentimes they set a deadline. Okay, I finished this court case, then I'm going to quit. I'm going to find a master's to study. I'm I'm going to find a fellowship or something. Yeah. And then they never stood by that. I can't stop. Okay, let's let's continue. Let's carry on. Yeah. Um yeah, so so some somehow um journalists love to be on the spot. We'll say they love challenges. They they survive by the challenges, regardless of how how difficult it is. There will always be yeah. someone wanting to do something at the risk of being arrested, at the risk of not living financially Sound. well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which, and, begs, which begs the question: How much international support do you know Hong Kong journalists get actually in this day and age? Not much in the in the sense that. I, I I think let's say if a journalist from Hong Kong wants to apply for a fellowship or a program to leave, um, it's easier for the outside world for the uh, international organizations to help. So there is this sympathy, there is this sense of brotherhood, sisterhood. If uh, a journalist from Hong Kong uh wants help outside. Of Hong Kong, then then they can they can help. They will want to help. They will try to help. Uh, I think that that's true. But the the national security law casts a huge challenge in Hong Kong. Again, we don't know what is okay, what is not okay. If you transfer some funds into Hong Kong to help journalists, would they be arrested and charged with collusion with foreign forces? Right. We don't actually know what is foreign forces yet. Still. Um, if there are some trainings done by uh, training programs done by foreign organizations in Hong Kong, even by video, is that okay? Let's say, let's say, and if you if you from Malaysia interview someone in Hong Kong, even by video, yeah, are they are they doing seditious things by just taking an interview by for for foreign media? Uh, they don't know. So so it's hard to do something for for people in Hong Kong because of this fakeness. Uh, no one knows what is okay, what is not okay. Uh, but if Hong Kong journalists, I think, wants to move overseas, uh, they want to start a new life somewhere. I think there is this passion, there is this uh, eagerness for organizations, international ones, to help to help them settle to new life, find work. Um, any any assistance they need, there will be someone trying to help them. There was Chris Cheng, a journalist based in the UK on Hong Kong's press freedom. This has been Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. Coming up next is the 10 a.m. News Bulletin, followed by Enterprise, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, 
Download the BFM app.